Welcome to Capital Ideas. This is the podcast where members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. Full disclosure, we're not really at the Capitol today. The legislature is adjourned till this coming January, so I made the trek up from Olympia to Des Moines to meet with Representative Tina Orwall in her district office. Since 2009, Tina has represented the fine people of Washington's 33rd Legislative District, a South King County district that includes SeaTac, Des Moines, Normandy Park, and large parts of both Burien and Kent. She's the Speaker Pro Tem of the State House of Representatives, wielding the gavel and presiding over the House floor on most days during the session. She's also generally acknowledged to be one of the legislature's most effective advocates for people whose voices are rarely heard, including at-risk teens and victims of human trafficking, especially children forced into sex work. Today we're talking about a different issue, one that I'll talk about in just a few seconds. We recorded this conversation Tuesday, October 10th, 2017, and it starts right now. We're here with Representative Tina Orwall down in Des Moines, Washington, from the 33rd District. Tina's been working for several sessions to basically clear up some problems that surround sexual assault kits and their their deployment in the community, their use, their testing. And so I'd like to start by basically saying there are a lot of people, fortunately, who have never had any experience with this and don't know what a sexual assault kit is. Can you define that for me? Well, a sexual assault kit is what actually is um, conducted when someone goes into like an emergency room. If they've been sexually assaulted, there's a special nurse called a SANE nurse, and she's been trained on how to work with people with trauma and how to actually obtain evidence off of um, a survivor. And so it takes about two or three hours. It's a pretty lengthy medical procedure, and everything has to be carefully documented. So it's it's a pretty big ordeal for someone who's just been through a trauma to go in and have this full, long exam. Now that we know what this kid is, what's the problem? It seems like something fairly straightforward that if a person has to have evidence gathered from her person, it seems like they would go to the emergency room, this would be done. Theoretically, someone would then take this, make it evidence tested, etc. But what's the problem? Well, you know, I think most survivors thought that their sexual assault kits were tested. Uh, several years ago, I was touring evidence rooms, and I was seeing these white boxes stacked to the ceiling. And I asked, what are these? And they said, they're sexual assault kits. And they, I said, are they tested? And they were, really weren't sure. And it turns out, after doing an inventory, that we had 6,000 or more kits sitting on these back shelves of evidence rooms. In the state? In our state. They estimate about 400,000 across the country. And um, one of the first things I thought of is how are you ever gonna catch a serial rapist? You know, if you're not testing these kits and putting them in the FBI database. And so what we found is that um, at a case level, they were deciding each one whether they would be tested or not. So if the perpetrator knew the victim, they felt it wasn't necessary to test a kit or if the lab was backed up and it didn't seem to be a priority, or if they didn't think it would be a good case in court. So there was a number of reasons that they chose not to test them. And we really, what we experienced was a systemic failure of our, our criminal justice system to respond to um, sexual assault um, survivors. So even in the case, let's say I know my assailant, they don't test the case. They don't know if that particular 
assailant is also a serial rapist. Right. And what they've found through research is that people that sexually assault women and children they know often sexually assault women and children they do not know. And when they start testing in these other jurisdictions like Ohio, Houston, uh, Detroit, they found about 30% are serial rapists. In addition to detecting who might be a serial rapist, there are other uses for this kit. For example, I know that in Washington there are situations in which DNA is collected from people who are either accused of or possibly convicted of crimes. This DNA would then go into a data bank when, let's say, somebody has raped one time. Mm -hmm. If that kit is tested and matched with the DNA that was collected when someone uh, was driving while drunk, this would be a way to catch that person. Absolutely. It can connect to all kind of crimes, and that's what they really have found. Um, Detroit was in our area this summer. They tested a kit that was 15 years old of a young girl who had been abducted and sexually assaulted, and it linked back to Squim, Washington. Um, somebody in Squim had done forgery. We entered the DNA into our data into the database, and it was a match. And so what they're finding is it really, when they test these kits, they match all over the country. We know what a sexual assault kit is now. We know how they can be useful. What kind of legislation? I know that you, more than anyone else in the legislature over the past several years, have been active in sponsoring legislation that basically tries to get at the root of this problem to make sure that these kits are collected, tested, and that the information is entered into a useful database. What kind of legislation have you sponsored that seems to have been making an effect on this? Well, the first bill um, I worked on was in 2015, and it was to require the testing of all sexual assault kits. We also put in resources to hire and train seven new staff in the state lab and to set up what's called the SAFE Committee, which is a statewide multidiscipline team. I co-chair that with the Representative Gina McCabe. You know, this is a very strong bipartisan issue and we have law enforcement, prosecutors, and survivors. And so that's really has shaped a lot of what we've done moving forward. After that, the next year, um, we set up the first statewide tracking system. Uh, every old kit and new kit will be entered in the system, and a survivor can actually go online and check the status of their kit. And that'll be up and running in 2018. Uh, we've also done investments over 4.4 4 million of state dollars to begin testing the older kits and this year we put in a requirement that all law enforcement be trained in trauma-informed approaches so that they know how to work with survivors. Let's jump back a second. What does the SAFE Committee do? We meet several times a year. What we've been doing is, one, like you said, we want to make sure we have an approach around the older kids um, that we know they're being tested, that we're not re-traumatizing victims, and that we're using best practices. But we also want to fix a system moving forward. We, we don't want this ever to happen again. And so we really work both on the older kids and then establishing a new system that we think will be much more responsive to survivors. You mentioned $4.4 million in state money that had been set aside to basically try to get these things tested and, and move them into the system. But have you recently come upon another windfall that is going to help out in this situation? We have. We have been working three years trying to obtain a Department of Justice grant, and it's called SACI, the Sexual Assault Kit Initiative. And uh, thanks to our state attorney general, who stepped up to be the lead, 
uh, we were just awarded that grant, and that'll be $3 million over three years. This grant will not only allow us to finish testing the remaining kits, but we'll set up cold case teams and provide training with the top experts in the country on, on the best practices. And so it is a huge step forward for us. An elected lawmaker got busy, did some things, worked on some bills, and it's actually having an effect in lots of people's lives in a positive way. That surprises, I'm sure, a lot of people who are very cynical about what goes on in government, that really nothing happens and that it basically just involves spending money. But you've actually made a difference. Well, thank you. I think the first thing I thought when we found the sexual assault kits is I just felt so sad and I just felt I wanted to apologize. I wanted to apologize to all the survivors we let down. And so I am really proud of the work we've done in our state. We're leading country. We're one of the top four states doing this work. And I think one of the things that's really moved us forward also is the survivor's voice. We have two survivors on our statewide safe committee, and they've really told us what was broken. And I think we're doing everything we can and looking at all resources we can to fix this. And so thank you. I'm, I'm really proud of our work. That brings us up to right now. Uh, what's next? Well, there's some key steps of what's next. Um, so the three million will set up some of the cold case teams, but not all the teams we need. So we'll go back this year trying to expand um, those teams so that they're across the state. Uh, we also need to look at things like the statute of limitations. Some of these kids are 10, 15, 20 years old. And so we want to make sure that we have the ability to actually pursue these cases and, and find justice. So we're looking at those laws. We're also realizing there's an issue where there's not these specially trained nurses in all the emergency rooms. And so we are looking at ways of how do we expand those, especially in rural areas. So we'll be working on that this next session as well. Let's say the statute of limitations has expired on Rapist A. The information from that kit can still be entered into a database and possibly used in case Rapist A has gone out and committed more sexual assaults that are still within the window of, of being able to be prosecuted, correct? Yes. In fact, we were just in Portland last week at a summit that was looking at this issue that meets yearly, and Portland had an example of someone that had three hits. They could only prosecute on one of them, but the fact that that was in the system um, provided incredible information and leverage, as you can imagine, to pursue that third case. Tina, I really appreciate you spending a few minutes to talk about this really important subject with us. I know that we had a certain amount of time scheduled here for this interview, and we've about gone over that, but is there anything you'd like to add that we haven't talked about that is key to this issue? Well, you know, something I really want to emphasize is how important our partners in law enforcement are. It's our Washington State Patrol that is testing these kits and then setting up the statewide tracking system. It's our police chief and sheriffs that are really going to roll up their sleeves and review and investigate these along with the attorney general. And so, you know, I think I think the system um, broke down, but we're all working to fix it. And I'm just really um, looking forward to seeing what kind of results we, we get in Washington. And I think if it's any reflection of what they've done in other parts of the country, it's going to be very powerful. Congratulations and good luck. Thank you. We've been talking with Representative Tina Orwall down here in the 33rd District. Thank you, Tina, for joining us here on Capital Ideas. I really appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
That's it for today. If you feel like this was a pretty good use of 10 minutes, why not subscribe to Capital Ideas on iTunes or at housedemocrats.wa.gov. What we're talking about here is your state government. What happens here matters. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you and for everyone. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats. Thank you for listening.